Meow. Hello. <laughs> Keep that in. Hello and welcome <laughs> to Euphoria uh, Season 6, Episode 9. Um, spoiler, we're recording the intro last, so if we seem a little loopy, it's because we've we've done the episode already. We're just we're, we're recording the starting now, which is crazy uh, technology, future magic. Um, this is Euphoria Podcast. I'm Dracos. That's Frosco. Uh, we're available on Spotify, YouTube, SoundCloud. Apple Podcast, iTunes. Wherever you get your podcasts, we're probably there. Probably. Uh, Riot Triaged, I think, on Twitter is our producer, John Daniel Deppa. And you can message him if you need it on another platform, because I don't know how that stuff works. I'm not that smart. Anyway, continuing. <laughs> Um, we had a crazy week. We've been on a break week. Sorry we missed you guys last week. We were filming just about every day. Um, as you now know, at the time of recording, the rap battle is not released, but by the time this is coming out, um, rap battle will be released. We made a rap battle. We made it in four days. We, we wrote-, wrote it. Well, uh, I say we very liberally. Dragos and heavy lifting with small part to Vettius, myself and shocks wrote a rap battle. But that's a lot for me. Because in the past, it was like 95 me, 5% everyone else. This time it was like 70 me, and you guys took the other 30, which I was greatly appreciated. We each got 10%. (laughs) But yeah, but over the course of about 36 hours, we wrote an entire rap battle, and then we recorded it. And then over the following two days, we or recorded the audio. Then over the following two days, we made the music video. So we hope you guys like it. It was the most insane, crazy turnaround. Um, Sorry for no communication on the Euphoria episode. Um, Next time, we'll make sure we get like a tweet to give you guys all the context. I was just like, I was done. I was literally like... No sleep, no life. Well, I, it was basically I had like, a little breakdown after I finished the lyrics where I cried a little bit. It was it was a tough time, but I really hope you guys liked it. Monday, writing lyrics. Tuesday, recording in studio. Wednesday, shooting. Thursday, shooting. Friday, I had a BMW. Yeah, you because you also had a more brutal... You had to do less in the writing department, but you had to do way more just shooting for yourself uh, for your own personal work. Oh, and I had the... Uh, other ad that I had to shoot. True, which hasn't come out yet, but we'll leave. Fan- they're going to be excited about that one. <laughs> wow, our teams are so good. Woo! <laughs> anyway, we've missed a lot while we've been gone um, in our crazy production week. And week eight, folks, was a banger. Uh, the worst possible week for Rap Battle, by the way, because we did it based on top four, and top four did not completely lock See, until the last day. So This is the problem, team, that we all wanted a very specific top four. We wanted Fnatic and G2 to be in it, but then there was a huge possibility that it could have been SK and Schalke, or something, I don't know, probably just SK, or something stupid like that. Origin <laughs> was like still in the running, and we're like... <laughs> We can't have write a rap battle about origin and SK. Because we, we plan. So to be fair, we yeah. There's more to talk about here, but like basically the TLDR is is like you kind of have a vision for what it's going to look like, and obviously people have been waiting a long time for the Fnatic G2 part. And then if Fnatic and G2 aren't there, we have locations locked, we have structure locked because we have the three beats, and then we have to figure out how the hell we put it together and like make a new storyline mm. with the three things. And like luckily it all came together. Whew. <sighs> but that said. What did we get to watch in week eight, folks? We got to watch one of the greatest storylines in League of Legends history, and most certainly in European history, and that is the Schalke Miracle Run. And it was amazing to watch. Because this is not the Schalke Miracle Run where, like, their opponents just keep falling onto the swords that are on the ground and, like, impaling themselves. Schalke's actually good. Like, what the hell? Schalke's insane. And obviously <laughs> people are going to point just to Gilius, but everyone is better. And it's nuts to me how much a single player on the roster 
changing can just make everyone look completely different. The game is also in a much more simple state than mm -hmm. I think it was mm -hmm. in the past. Uh, Shelco have always been a team that excelled in playing around objectives like Dragon Timers, and it kind of didn't really matter who was on the roster. I believe Killius at this time, though, was on the previous roster. Oui. And it was, uh, you know, Shelco were a middle of the pack, lower end of the pack team, and they were just good because they group up around the timer, and then they just like throw their face into it, and you kind of like flip a coin. And now the meta has shifted into it, individual performers are stepping up, uh, and suddenly you have Abadage, Faker Dage, who's just destroying kids. But the thing is, is like, Shalka are still making some mistakes, particularly in the Mad Lions game, although Mad made more mistakes, mm -hmm. and I think some of them really crucially were massive drafting errors. I do not like Kalista as a priority pick. I just think Kalista is real garbage, but maybe I'm wrong. That's fine. Every time I see her now, I'm like... Oh no, our teams aren't good enough to snowball. Yeah. They're just going to get outscaled. The, my, my problem with anytime there's a champion like Callista in the meta who is... She's the Olaf of 80 carries. Kind of, yeah. Anytime there's a champion who is very good early, I feel like that champion is always going to be insane in scrims. And then the difference in stage performance is always very stark. Even though essentially teams are scrimming live now because they are playing from home, it always feels like there's a stark difference and things aren't going to work out. Olaf's a good example. Uh, Renekton's a good example. When Lucian was really strong mid, that's another good example. Despite the fact that, yes, it had so many good pop-off games for EU internationally, you know that's a champion that was going 10-0 in scrims and then going on stage and being 0-0-0 at 20 minutes and being useless for the rest of the match. I think my issue with um, champions like Kalista, Olaf, Renekton uh, as well, like these types of champions that kind of have this... Uh, perception about them in the community is that while the individual players themselves are good enough to make the champion really shine, they require the team to also be on the same page and be good enough because you have such a limited window comparatively to other champions that are easier to execute to make use of the power that you're given. And so even if you have a phenomenal Callista player, if the rest of your team is just garbage and doesn't make use of the fact that your you know, bazooka is ready to go right then, then it doesn't matter. The pick is a wash. And I think that's kind of the biggest problem that I see with these picks. Whereas like when G2 picked Callista, I'm like, yeah, that team could probably work with Callista because everyone's going to be firing at the same time and i have confidence that g2 can end the game quickly enough or do enough with the weapon that they were given whereas time and time again now people pick Callista and then it goes okay and then it all falls apart i'm like great glad we wasted 15 minutes of our life on this yeah i don't love it like i get why people pick it but i don't know it hasn't really come through to fruition for me maybe we see more of it maybe we see less of it actually as caitlin remains ash ash uh, ash is just so good into it but our players can't play ash so neon can neon can woo Schalke. Um, on the other side of the coin, as exciting as the Schalke miracle run is, we had Fnatic scraping into playoffs. That's kind of interesting. You got G two coming back to the top, courtesy of championship points. They got second seed at the end. Rogue qualifying for Worlds. Very excited for Rogue. Want to see them win a few best of fives before they get there. But regardless, knowing that it's there for them is super cool. This is a team that definitely earned it in the regular season. That said, we're going to talk about them more. They're going to be playing more. The teams we're not going to get to talk about for the rest of the year are the teams that are dead. This is the eulogy. Vitality, XL, Misfits, OG, all dead. Rest in peace. You know, can I, I know we weren't necessarily preparing for this, but can we have a that's f dumb segment? Yeah, we can. You can do you, you free. Okay, give me a minute. You can put it together. I'll talk about. I'll, I'll talk for a minute. No, 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 just, no. Just time me. I'm ready oh, to go. You, you, okay. <laughs> I was like, you're like, give me a minute to get. No, you're ready to go. All right, stopwatch. One minute. Ready, set. Go. That's f dumb. Origin not making worlds or playoffs. How does a roster with that type of talent nuke them? 
What up, team? I'm interrupting your previous podcast experience because I said way too many fill sticks the first time this recording went around, and it's a little bit too hard to censor out. So round two, a little bit more PG-13. So that's <laughs> dumb. Origin not making worlds or playoffs two times in a row now. What the <laughs> is happening over there? See, here's the thing. I came into the LEC on the greatest lie ever told, which is that Nuke Duck has a champion ocean. Deficio pushed the narrative Year of the Duck, and he's now riding that into Origins Graves with him. Don't get me wrong, Nuke Duck is still a strong player, but his champion pool is actually quite limited effectively. In this current meta, he cannot play Azir, he cannot play Orianna, and they got absolutely blasted. Origin previously were drafting team fights. Now everyone is drafting a team fight meta. The issue is, is that Alfari and Upset were so good that they fooled me into believing that Origin could actually teamfight. Spoiler alert, they can't. They don't know where to teamfight, when to teamfight, how to teamfight. Nukeduck's a big part of that. Destiny and Jackdaw were a big part of that. And Cersei also reserves some blame this time around, as well as the coaching staff behind them. Origin failing like this after we systematically decided that they had won the offseason with their roster upgrades, it's just... that dumb. Now, back to your podcast experience. All right, damn. This is what I'll say. Uh, the real eulogy for, for Origin is for, as you mentioned, Alfari and Upset. Pour some out for the homies there, my friends, because that is that is sad. I feel bad for, for both of them. Alfari, especially, who uh, ran it down in his last two games. Let's be honest. He did. He had a bad game. And obviously, he was the, tilted off the face but of the But if people are going to flame <laughs> Alfari for that, it's like, yo, let's, let's make a score sheet. Games where Alfari has been the strongest individual performer on OG, games where Alfari ran it down. And let me tell you, there's about 50 or 60 games in the uh, carried column, and there's about two or three in the Alfari ran it down column. So we'll, we'll take it. But yeah, the OG thing is just... I'm, I'm mad at OG, and I'm really sad for a lot of the individual players. Because I don't know what happened with Zersei. He was a guy I used to be really excited about. Didn't really have this good split. Don't know if that's a communication thing. Don't know if that's an individual thing. I mean, thing. that's clearly a uh, play style thing. Yeah, so... On the other side... Oh, wait, not done. Oh, God. I'm, <laughs> Should I'm, I start another timer? How hard are you going here? <laughs> go, 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 go. I'm really tired of importing oceanic players. Already? Yeah, I'm, I'm ready to kind of... What about FBI? So here's the thing. FBI has shown really well, but he's also showing in the weakest region in the world right now. And Major he, region. But here's the thing. Like, have a conversation about what oceanic players give you. They're... Culture, yeah, you're not having huge uh, culture changes. Uh, fluency and language, so communication is going to be strong right there. And they're cheap. They're cheaper. They are cheaper than going out and getting a European or a definitely an Hold, LCS player. Do you know what's funny as hell, though? Hold on. Like, growing up in America, people always, like, people use this in a very degrading way, but, like, the Chinese knockoff of, like, whatever <laughs> you wanted. You want, like, the Prada handbag. China's got, like, the fake one that's, yeah, like, yeah, made yeah. meticulously. It's the oceanic knockoff. <laughs> You want a Chinese player, obviously, you get the oceanic knockoff. Shoes on the other foot, League of Legends, what now? Well, here's the thing, and I have no problem if orgs would come out and just be like, uh, this guy really wants to prove himself, you know, we think that if we give him the tools that he can, and this is kind of what people have said, especially 100 Thieves, but the thing is, is it's like, then don't sit there when the criticism comes through that a player in specific isn't performing of just like, it just... I get it. It's a budget thing. Sometimes, and this definitely needs to be part of the conversation, because I don't like to see the flame that Ryoma is getting. And I don't 100% know what's happening behind the scenes. It's not like Papa Smith, he's sliding me information here. He's definitely probably going to slide into my DMs and be like, don't talk shit about my team, please. <laughs> but I'm like, you know what? You're 
team probably has a player that you really like and they probably afford that guy because they have an oceanic player there who is definitely less expensive than anyone else budget concerns have to come into play so don't necessarily flame ryoma about that but orcs also don't pretend that it's not a budget thing I, I, but I feel for the orgs. What do you say? Like, sorry, guys, we needed to you save definitely money. Can't, you like, can't, you're like, you, it's a catch 22. You can't talk about it. You just have to sit there and be like, that's why I'm just we gonna, believe in our player that costs $300,000 less I'm just going to lob that one into the conversation. Hopefully people understand if also, they're just like, I really like X player, hmm. but Ryoma, I hate that guy. But also understand that no org is ever going to say that. No org is ever going to be like, Sorry, guys. So I'm cheap. saying it because they there can't. There you go. Thank you. Using your platform for the good of the orgs, I guess? It's definitely not for the good of Oceanic players. They're pissed. I just... Come on. This is... It's fine. It's fine. Look, it's not fine. I mean, you're right. It's a little bit... It's a rough time. Shout out to FBI. Good job, FBI. You're, you're absolutely killing it. Um, Better luck next time, Destiny. Ryoma, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, haven't watched enough of these games to have a solid opinion. Last three teams, we'll hit them very quick because we're going to jump into the Yankos interview very shortly. Vitality, XL, Misfits. Sorry, XL. That's sad. You've never made playoffs. It's getting kind of funny, if I'm going to be honest at this point, in like a dark humor sense of way because you're so close literally every time and you just cannot get there. Um, but I hope it works out better for you in the future. Mis Oceanic players on that coaching staff. Just do them. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was <laughs> uh, Vitality, shout out to Skeens, Misfits. Uh, obviously had a lot of struggles there at the final run. We'll see you guys next year. Um, if you like these teams, be sure to show them love in this difficult time. Um, they'll still be checking their Twitters. They'll still be tweeting about Worlds. It sucks to sit on the bench and watch everyone else go to playoffs and go to Worlds. I've talked to pro players about it. It is the shittiest feeling while a lot of our teams are going to be feeling so great right now, so many of these players, some of them will take vacations and they'll feel fine. But a lot of them, the really hyper-competitive ones, are going to sit there, they're going to watch League of Legends, and they're going to be sad. So send them love. Give them that love. They need it. If you are a fan of the orcs, if you're a fan of the players, give them that. Um, and a special bunch of love to the Oceanic players, because Frostgrown is just murdering people today. It's so... Because here's, <laughs> here's the thing. Like, obviously, platform that some things need to be said. But I agree with you. Like don't send players death threats don't flame oh yeah them super I, I would hard. hope that you're not flaming them anymore let it go god it's been <laughs> two weeks they didn't make playoffs get over it yeah uh but send them love just generally let them know that you still care like upset you had great stats how far you had great stats i'm so sorry you can't be in playoffs but... say you're still a great jungler and mm. nuke duck better luck next year febovin kabe Ooh. dan dan all you guys skeins great season lebron absolute legend um, Cadrel, love you. Who else do we love? We love everyone. I, now I feel like I have to say everyone, but Torre, Torre, Evan always gets mad at me if I mispronounce it. Evan is our Norwegian um, writer for the show. <laughs> Anytime he gets to talk about Torre, there's like, it's all, it's full great. Screen, Wait, we're going we're, we're to do an entire five minute segment on Evan because Evan is the hands down the greatest <laughs> personality in esports that no one has ever met. And we will talk about Evan next time to share with you the wonder he has that is Evan. Everything memorized. He's like a League of Legends encyclopedia history League of book. Legends and every other sport encyclopedia. It's so strange. Insane. And he's always happy all the time. And he gets really, he's really patriotic about Norway in a way that I have never seen before, but is entirely wholesome. Anyway, Yanko Sustain by let's get his insight on the meta on g2 on the playoffs and some of your fan questions as well right now joining us now on the show two-time back-to-back mvp legendary jungler for the most successful team trick in european history no <laughs> not 2016 anymore all right it's not other than yankos welcome yankos um hello good to have you on the show 
Seems like, I, I know we asked you this before the show went live, but for all the people at home, how are things in the house? How's everything going with G2? Uh, well, I think it's going pretty positive. Um, I don't think I have a lot of things to complain about. We are trying new things and uh, or like on how we approach games and how we talk about the games. So I think that since playoffs are live now, we are really like hard trying to improve and it shouldn't be the same story as last spring split where we got defeated against Mad Lions because we just didn't take things as seriously. Mm. So I think that I'm pretty excited for playoffs right now. And um, since, you know, we didn't really do that well in regular season uh, or split, uh, I would really like to win playoffs and get the trophy so that we can represent Europe as like the strongest European team again and maybe just get like thrilled by China. But who cares? <laughs> you know, at least we get a European trophy. <laughs> I was like the most PR rehearsed, like things are going very well. We're trying all of this. We're going to do well in playoffs and we will make Europe proud until we run into the LPL and then which we will cry. I, it was an emotional roller coaster. <laughs> you came in so strong. Things are going well. We're trying new things. We want to make Europe proud. Also get 3 would by China. Like I like it. It's just tempered by that little bit of like doubt just so European fans don't get don't get too excited. Um, we've I mean, heard... I, at least I didn't men mention Korea, right? I mean, at least I have confidence going into like LCK or like going against LCK. Uh, dead region, to be honest. I mean, Fourth they... best, let's be honest. Four, yeah, like, what are they even <laughs> that's doing? True, that's true. <laughs> no, uh, I'm actually, so there's a different, a bunch of different ways. We have a lot of topics that we want to hit with you, Yinkas. Sure, because sure. you did bring up the LPL, uh, I actually just wanted the question, like, how much LPL do you guys actually watch? Is there a team in particular that you guys are scared of? Or is it just any team that comes in with the tag LPL? Um, well, so from what I know, um, because I do watch playoffs, I guess I didn't really watch a lot of uh, LPL during regular season, maybe just like the top games. Uh, but during playoffs, I was trying to watch um, all the games. And I know that both FPX IG are out and they cannot be at work. Like one of them can only be at Worlds because of the gauntlet system, but they face each other in the first round. That means either IG or FPX are out, which... I don't know if it feels good because I would like to face two of these teams so that we can get a revenge on them and we can like face them again. Um, and hopefully this time the results would, would be different. Um, and then from like the, all the top teams, um, I think Tess and JDG are looking uh, very strong right now. So I don't think there's like a team in particular I would be scared to play against, but I just think that um, a lot of teams are looking strong and of course it's LPL. So the games are like so fast-paced and there is like a fight for crap every single game at minute 3-4 um, where five, four people are literally like coming down from bot lane to top lane just to like fight for that crap. So uh, I think it's very, very exciting to play in that league and I'm, I'm slightly jealous. Of course, uh, shout out to Mark Torres, BT Tom, Arthur, I'm going to butcher your last name here, Novieski from our Twitter questions who wanted to know more about the LPL. But talking about the LPL, talking about these crab fights at three minutes, I want to talk a little bit about 1016 meta and specifically, uh, or 10, even, even more generally, 1015 meta and champions that we're not seeing in Europe. Now, you talk about fighting for crab at minute three. I love watching that. But I also usually watch it in a Graves versus Nidalee matchup. They're playing junglers. <laughs> They're playing junglers that can kill people. Meanwhile, like, we're still flexing. Set, 
I mean, trick played Skarner, for God's sakes, at the start of the season. We're like, you know, Sejuani's coming out more and more, and people are asking for you to play Sejuani. Why aren't we seeing in the LEC more of these? I mean, Fnatic obviously played a bunch of Graves, but we're, it's now just completely non-existent. Why aren't we seeing the Graves and the Nidalees of the world when LCS is playing it so much? LPL. LPL is, more importantly, LPL is playing it all the time. Nidalee's literally permad, and Graves is getting, you know, very early prior. Why don't we get... Graves in Italy. Why are we stuck with the Sudwanis of the world, Yanko? Explain this <laughs> I mean, to me. Maybe it's maybe it's because like the average age of like a European jungler is like considerably higher than the average age of L L uh, L LPL jungler, oh, so no. we cannot really play the same. <laughs> oh no! Well, I mean, okay, so he went to throw the spear one serve. day. His hand cracked. He's like, "That's the last spear I'll ever throw again." <laughs> yeah, like, I cannot like throw so far. Like how do I reach? You know how do I hit? <laughs> but. Um, I think that um, for some reason in Europe we really like tanks and we really like engaged champions in the jungle. And do you think that's an I issue like... with our top laners and not necessarily our junglers? Like if our top laners, I, mean, I think it's a little bit of both. I honestly think that like supports in Europe are like not. I mean, I think we have like a lot of good supports right now. I think like Vander is playing very well. Of course, Mickey. Uh, I think Hillisang uh, had seen better days, but normally when Hillisang is playing like an engaged champ, you can trust him to engage. Maybe he's not the best engage, but he will like engage, right? Um, and then there is uh, Kaiser, which is uh, performing very well as well. So I think our supports and top laners could like, except for these four, and and I, I think like top laners are way worse actually on average. I mean, except for like yeah, a few as well. So I think um, it's much better to play tanks in Europe because, yeah, I mean, first of all, you can engage. Second of all, it is easier to play a game with a tank in your jungle than a Nidalee or Graves since these champions have to carry and they have to, like, fight a lot in the early game on top of uh, having control from, like, early to mid game and um, forcing a lot of plays, which we are not doing as much. And when someone picks Nidalee in this region or Graves and like they only perma farm and then even like how Fnatic played Graves was that Selfmade didn't look bad on Graves you know he was actually pretty good on Graves but it just didn't seem like it ever worked for them I think they lost like every single game with Graves because mm -hmm. well they didn't really make much happen as well you know so in team fights when the game was already like hard to play he couldn't really carry because the game at that point was already lost and then Graves is not like a hyper carry type of champion so if you are the only one in the team who is useful and then enemy carries Aphelios and he has three items, but probably are not going to win that game, right? Because Graves is just much worse champ at that point. So I think that we, are, like our tendencies are like more focused around like frontline champs, especially that the top teams also like frontline champs because, you know, historically G2 really likes to put me on tanks and um, same goes for like, you know, SK Trick. He also likes a lot of tanks and... Um, I'm not sure about like self-made, but I know Inspire doesn't really play carry junglers either. He also like he also likes tanks. So I think if all the top teams in Europe play tanks, then sure like the other teams can try to copy LPL, but it's much. But you are playing in a different region, right? So you will probably copy what works here, so that you can just be better. And I think playing tanks is also easier. So I mean, there's a lot of reasons to why we are playing that, and then. Uh, I mean, of course, LPL fights a lot, right? So Nidali level 4 is going to be stronger than Sejuani level 4 when you fight for the Crab. And since everyone is just picking Leona as well, it's, it's much stronger picking LPL, which we don't really see in Europe. Um, and then about NA, so LCS, I don't. I, I did see their last playoff games, and they do play Nidali. Um, and, you know, Svenskaren is like picking Graves a lot as well. So 
I don't actually know that much about that region. Um, I know TSM was flexing set and need skill I disparity. To, like, jungle. The skill disparity yeah, I, I between mean, certain players on certain teams is just much larger. Yeah, and, than I, and, any I, other and I'll say, I'll say, I think your LPL summary was enough. I think we can skip over LCS because as interesting okay. as it is, I think there's like more that we want to talk to you about in the context of the meta. But I appreciate you being like willing to go into the LCS too. You just gave us so much. I was about to like really flame them, so it's fine. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> fine. <laughs> you guys suck. Um, <laughs> no, uh, so. Just to kind of like recap everything that you were talking about, you kind of danced around it, uh, but the sentiment seems to be that we in uh, Europe rely more on our junglers to be our engage tools, and also that style is easier to execute rather than running a Graves or a Nidalee, which is why we're seeing more tanks, if that's because our top laners aren't necessarily playing the engage or our supports aren't necessarily playing the engage. It has uh, landed on the jungler's responsibility. If you are a younger man and your arm can throw those spears and you did lock the Nidalee, <laughs> what would you need from your team to make your Nidalee or your Graves, Graves work yeah. out for you? Is that like uh, your mid laner being hyper aggressive? Would that be your support on something like a Leona? Like when we eventually clash into the LPL and they run a Nidalee or a Leona, if we just press stop and no other patch changes came through, like what style do you think wins out? Do the tanks just get run around? I think we just like one, two, three, ban Nidali, and then <laughs> and then we go from there. So, um, so well, I think it's pretty easy actually because I mean, I think a lot of the players in LPL they like uh, top laners. That yeah, I mean they like Renekton, right? And Renekton, of course, very strong with Nidali because just because of the press W one point five second stun into Nidali one shot. <laughs> So that's like a very easy way of playing it. I think Shen is becoming pretty popular right now. I think Shen Nidali is also a very strong combo because Shen has, I mean, it's just very strong early game after all the buffs and that's kind of the same. You have to land the taunt, but it's not super hard to land the taunt. And then, yeah, again, into spear, into one shot. Probably weaker into V2s because Renekton just gets like so much steroid with the ultimate and Shen doesn't. But um, technically in the early game, it works uh, similar. Uh, I think, you know, bot lane, yeah, as long as you play anything like uh, Ash or Leona or Nautilus, all of this is strong, even Senna. Um, and I think these picks are like pretty high prior in LPL as well. And then mid lane, um, I don't think it matters much, but yeah, if you can flex the set into mid lane or if you can play anything uh, like Zoe, like LeBlanc. With mid lane, it's a bit tricky because if you don't have physical damage champion, then you are stacking on AP damage. So you will probably never play on mid lane that much. But if you have either CC mid lane or mid lane that has high prio, you can just basically play to invade a lot. And Nida is not necessarily stronger than this in one on one. But if you have a support behind you, then in 2v2s, it changes so much. Since, yeah, if you can CC someone and land a spear, of course, in Nidali can like land a spear on her own. That's even better, right? But assuming she can if you have a support with you that can land the CC and then you can land the spear, um, you actually do like tremendous amount of damage. And then, yeah, it's either a one shot or the guy has to base and then you take control of the whole map. And you don't really want to give Nidali control because if she has one, she will just like one shot every camp in the game and she will like leave you two, three levels behind, which is just hard to catch up to. And if only Nidali is ahead, um, it is still a playable game because, you know, if it's a 5 5 fight and there is no surprises there, you can easily dodge the spears and then maybe she will be useless in a fight, but there's also a world where she lands one spear on the carry and the carry is one shot because you know he's half HP or she jumps on him and she kills him. So I think that uh, is a good champ right now and I like to play her in solo queue. So 
I might try to make it work uh, in like a competitive environment as well. But like I mentioned, you know, maybe like uh, I was just like break my hands trying to throw the spear. And then <laughs> it's okay. What happens after? It's like you just have to click so many buttons to clear the jungle, and your old wrists just can't handle that strain. Yeah, you know? it's, it's kind of true actually. Yeah, <laughs> it's like high high uh, APM chum. You know, you have to like do so many things. Meanwhile, when I play Sejuani, I just like look at the lanes and press W and then E from time to time. That's all. <laughs> Two buttons. So much easier. Very true. Um, bringing it kind of back to domestic competition. Um, over the last few weeks, we've heard a lot from, we heard from Gravs, we heard from Luca, we even heard from Mickey back in week seven, a lot about how, um, how important it is for G2 to kind of play on a single patch, learn a single patch, figure it out, and then maybe try to like break the meta past that. We're coming into 1016. We're going to be living basically on 1016 for the next X months, right? As this is the patch that'll play through internationally. Um, Wait, what? Really? I think so. Ten sixteen, and then Yon disabled, and it goes through. Like, it's at least playoffs. Let's start with playoffs. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's ten sixteen. Okay, play. I thought it's ten point eighteen for Worlds, but I could Is also it? be wrong. I mean, I just would expect us to like play on a few new patches because otherwise solo queue would be so useless. But I mean, I guess I'll just see. You know what? Like, let's take that back. I'll take that back. Ten sixteen for all of playoffs for everywhere. That much I know. No Yon. Yes to Lilia. I guess I just even no matter what patch we play on, I don't expect the game to dramatically shift. No, at this point the balance team is very aware after 2015 that they can't make sweeping changes <laughs> to the game or we'll have another freaking gangplank They Mordekaiser keep saying situation. that, but we keep having those situations. I know. But anyway, bringing it back. 1016, um I would love your opinion on how G2 is learning the patch, how the patch is feeling for you guys and also general thoughts on the meta right now we've talked a lot about lpl we've talked a lot about jungle but how do how do you and how do g2 feel about the way that the game is played right now and how does that maybe compare to playoffs in the past last year years prior what do you think about the the meta generally i mean i do think that uh i do agree with grabs Mickey, right i think we play better when we can figure out the patch the thing is though that we don't really figure out the meta during the patch we just figure out like what kind of champions we want to play and what kind of champions in our opinion are like high low prior so that we can have like the best drafts possible because historically historically we have been struggling with drafts because Grav is our coach so he doesn't have like the best drafts so we always need to figure out as a team not as him only and then we can like even caps last playoffs said that yeah he wants to play Kogmao in the final and we never played Kogmao and then we played Kogmao Lulu against Fnatic and it worked out because it just did fit the meta well and this is ideas you can have only when you play on one patch for a long time and then you kind of went through all the standard things that are playing on, played on this patch and then you go into more um yeah trying stuff and maybe it works maybe it doesn't uh, and since right now we'll be playing on 10.16 for a long time i think this week will probably not be full of surprises as everyone will grind like the same champions just to like be strong in the meta but then going into the final or even the week prior to the final i think we can maybe start figuring out new champions that people really like don't really expect um and then yeah i mean the meta is very heavy drake meta of course um if you don't get drakes, you probably lose the game unless you snowball the game hard enough that if opponents get two or three drakes, you can still fight for the third, fourth one. I think um, it doesn't suit us that well since we are more of a one-to-one -one team with the very strong solo laners, probably the strongest in Europe. Um, so we do like our one-to-one, -one, you know, we do go, like going on silent and just like proving that we are better. So we will just like push into the enemy tower and just kill them there. Uh, but now instead we had to learn this year how to like play heavy teamfight comps which is ARAM comps, which is not what we liked to play. And we always made fun of NA for like going five mid and like 
just a ramming but right now this is kind of the meta before the drag you just have to go mid get mid prio and you know if enemies have more people than you you probably lose mid prior so you probably have to send everyone so that you get the mid prior we are stronger and then you get the drake and of course there are a few scenarios where it doesn't really work that simple because maybe it's better to flank someone so then you don't actually go five mid but most of the time um especially in games with a lot of tanks instead of flankers you do go five mid and you do get a mid trials as five and then you go into objective and um yeah i mean whoever gets dragon soul will most likely win the game assuming that the game is not one-sided so uh i think it's like not super boring um i don't like hate it but um i think like one to one is like, like kind of non-existent anymore like no one really does it you still have to go on silent to push the waves but you don't really like play around silence much um and I think that's fine, you know. We have to work with what we got, <laughs> and we can win anyways. <laughs> I love the pause. And that's I think okay. that's fine. And look, all I'm saying is, <laughs> putting on my tinfoil hat here, what region loves to ARAM? What region is the balance team located in? All I'm saying, folks, think about it. Think about it. That's all I'm saying. Maybe. Maybe an influencer. But here's the thing. <laughs> so, uh, I... In alignment, Yankos. Uh, but with champions like... Jax getting buffed up, Shin getting buffed up, Camille appearing. Is there, it, it feels like the balance team, and Dracos, you and I have had this conversation where the balance team recognizes that it's just like a 5v5 fest in, Ooh, there it is. In, the, uh, in the mid lane over Drake's, and they're trying to empower uh, split pushers by like either buffing them so much that they're just broken. Like what, where's, the, where's the give and take? Are Dragon Souls just so powerful that it doesn't matter how many buffs you give to Jax that you'll never be able to sideline? Or do you think that there's a world where one of these split pushing champions uh, gets buffed too far and then suddenly G2 have Wonder just perma pushing on a lane? Well, I mean, I think that if you can, in theory, play uh, a strong enough early game, with a split push in your team, you can maybe pull enough ahead in the early game. Let's say you get like one or two drakes to stall the game long enough, just in case they get all the drakes that your split pusher can take over. I think it is possible, uh, like you mentioned with Jax Fiora getting buffed. I think though that um, a lot of times uh, these champs are played mainly into Camille, and I feel like maybe they got buffed just so that we have counters to Camille because. There is nothing that is good against Camille in, in the meta at all. Like, sure, you can pick, like, everything, but at the same time, nothing is really good against it, and she will play outscale you. So I feel like these two champs, they don't get outscaled on a side lane. They will win against Camille. But uh, Camille probably still wins, or at least it's 50-50 during, like, the lane matchup, uh, during the laning phase. And then Camille will play, like, 10, 10 times better in team fights compared to, like, Jackson Fiora. Uh, so if you still want a Drake fight with Camille, it's still possible, because all she has to do is find the flying and one sure AD carry. Um, so yes, in theory, if a team wants to like go into like the split push scenario of the game and try to maybe make it work on a side lane, that's possible. But even in LPL, um, I think currently they're playing on 10.16. They don't really do that as well. They'll and never I mean, split like push. They just run bio. face first into yeah, each other. Yeah, I mean, I guess they just <laughs> like to aid them, I mean, as well, or like fight. And what I don't understand in LPL is that even when Mordekaiser is being played, they pick Jax into Mordekaiser, which I don't think it makes any sense. And Jax is also a split push champ, which is so much worse in team fights. And I feel like Mordekaiser can actually like provide so much in team fights compared to Jax, which is not also like not the strongest team fight champ. So I, I don't know, like sometimes I'm watching LPL and LCK and I'm thinking that these regions are actually like trolling so hard in draft. 
Um, but maybe I'm just wrong, right? And it's very hard to say if I'm wrong or right until we play them and we see how their priorities work against us. But yeah, I mean, sometimes I'm just watching. I'm like, are they like trolling or are we just that bad that we don't see why it's good, you know? I will ask and finally answer. Yeah, because I think that's a fair question. And I like that you're still giving the LCK that respect too. Because in the past, you know, 2016, 2017, it's like, oh, the LCK is doing it. It must be right. And now it's gone to the point where it's like, okay, the LPL is doing it. But at least you're asking the question. At least you're not like, oh, we're completely wrong. We should be playing Graves in Italy. We're doomed. We're not following the trend of the of the best region. I like that the questions are being asked. I like that you're going deeper and trying to figure out, are they trolling? Is this the best way to play the game? Throwing Mordekaiser into... Oh, God, it sounds so bad to me. But luckily, not what's been picked mostly in playoffs. A lot of the same stuff, honestly. Renekton, Orn, GP. More Jace there, obviously, with the, the caliber of top laners that they have. Um, bringing it back to our playoffs, however, Yankos, I want to know a little bit about the level of the other teams you're playing against. Because what we saw in Week 8, Frosca, I believe you said it, Schalke, no fear, playing the best League of Legends domestically right now. I want to know your take on that statement. I want to know who you think is the biggest competition for you guys in playoffs, right? Because I think that obviously there's the Fnatic playoff buff, right? Of course, we're always going to talk about it. But they look pretty sketchy. SK didn't look crazy strong. Rogue are looking better, but I feel like Every time we ask any pro player about Rogue, Rogue. that ro people are just like Rogue or Rogue. Like we'll beat Rogue in a best of five. Just no ban out Larson. Ban Larson, GG, easy. Like what? What do you actually think of the uh, the five other teams in playoffs? Who do you think is the biggest threat? Who do you think that people are sleeping on? Give us your give us your rundown here. So I think that SK is probably bad, <laughs> and I think SK will drop out. Um, I think that Schalke is actually like exceptionally good. I don't know what happened, but I actually like Gadjilis a lot and uh, Faker Daja. I think like both of <laughs> them are actually like so crazy good right now. And I would say that um, their top and bot are like their weakest roles. But even Odwamne is stepping up a lot and even like their bot is stepping up a lot. But for sure, like their strongest members currently is mid lane and jungle. So if they can like play the way they are right now they will at least beat the sky gaming and then i mean if i'm very honest with you i don't know if they can actually win against fanatic rogue or mad lions whoever or, or us right whoever they face after the first round uh because i don't actually think they're like fakers but they are playing much much stronger than before and they're very aggressive which kind of reminds me of the lpl style because even in the game against maybe matt was it like the last uh, super week i felt like they got uh, behind early game and Julius Julius was playing Sejuani and um, you know at that point it's very hard to make a lot of decisions to like keep fighting because yeah just behind so you want to play it safe but instead they like kept fighting and they actually like crawled their way back into the game by like taking every fight which was very surprising because well I mean it's not you don't see that in Europe much you know when a team is playing from behind we tend to avoid fighting and we tend to like try to scale up and then maybe look for peaks or look for a good fight, not just take every fight. So um, Schalke definitely looking uh, looking much stronger right now than before. Uh, I think maybe it's because there is no pressure on them as much um, because no one really believed they would be in playoffs, even though everyone did. Everyone's like, well, Schalke, Schalke miracle run. So right now that they are in playoffs in a BO5 scenario, I think they might play worse if they, get, if, if they let pressure get into them, which we will, I guess, see. Um, and then we have yeah, Rogue. I don't know about Rogue. I think maybe this is the team that everyone's sleeping on because, um, I mean, they have pretty good players, right? But I all, always had like a, a very bad opinion about them. But I think I have to change my opinion now just in case we play them because if I keep my bad opinion about them and we play them, I will 
not perform to my best level since I will be thinking they are boosted, which they are not anymore, I think. They found their style, which is hey, I'm team fights, <laughs> which everyone's playing. <laughs> but they found their style and uh, they like to play tanks top lane, um, GP, Renekton and tanks. And then they like to play scaling mid lane, which is, you know, Korki Azir. Um, they like to play tank jungle and they like to play tank support and then they like to play scaling in the AD carry and their drafts are like the easiest to predict like they have no surprises whatsoever um, maybe they will surprise me this time though because of course I, maybe they have like a peak prepared that I will the Alawi the Alawi coming back you, you scared yeah maybe <laughs> I mean so I, I don't know them but I mean I think definitely they found their style which is very strong in this meta because you know you want to play for drags you want to play for scaling so i think definitely they have like a very good chance to uh, win a few games in europe um i would say fanatic should beat them but yeah fanatic play above right but i mean they haven't been performing so hot lately so it just depends if they actually picked up the slag or not in a bo5 though i would just give it to fanatic just because of the history of them performing well in playoffs and just Rogue not being like the strongest team and also Rogue never showed really that they can like go through in these clutch moments I still remember Larsen like packaging into enemy fountain we all do game. <laughs> so I would just give it to Fnatic just to be safe you know um, and I think Fnatic nothing special currently but they also have good players that can pop off if they feel their game so hopefully they did figure out the meta and hopefully we can see like a stronger Fnatic more of a spring Playoffs fanatic than like the summer split. So, good enough to get to finals, but not good enough to take a game off G2. That's exactly. that level. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's perfect, right? That's yeah. like absolutely perfect. And then Mad Lions, um, I mean, to me, they are the strongest team we will play against simply because we faced them in the first round. So I want to treat them with respect. Um, they also did beat us before in a BO5, which didn't really happen in Europe for like, the past two years. Which is, you know, pretty exciting uh, for all the viewers, I suppose, not for us. <laughs> and then um, they, uh, I think they are also very similar team to us. They like to surprise in draft and they like to try stuff, especially around the bot lane. And I think they are like very, very aggressive team. And they have their like champions that they really perform well at. Uh, for example, Shadow Listen, of course, very exceptional. So I think that um, they have like their strong cards and. We have we really need a good draft against them, and I think their drafts are actually very good. You know, their coaching staff is smurfing a lot, uh, and mm. compared to compared to our coaching staff, you know, we might be yeah, able to disadvantage. Of mm. course, we have the better players, you know, but the coaching staff difference ah, could be hard. Ah, one. tough man, what is so, he doing? Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, like look, I'm I'm the only one in the gaming room currently. No one is working. <laughs> Lucas I mean, behind he's like you, almost eleven. Wait, what? He did? Wait. Yeah, he walked oh, in. Oh, I didn't even out. see that. Um, well, well, he's not here, so he's not working. <laughs> yeah, Yankos. Uh, before we before we let you go, I want to get it in. I have one more question for you, but I want to save it for the very last question. It's it's lame and it's generic, but the fans are going to want to hear it. But we'll save that one for the end. So I want to get in a couple Twitter questions. Earlier, we asked you about the LPL. A lot of fans wanted to hear about that. These ones are a bit more memey. Let's start with the potentially more serious question, which comes from Franz at Tenti underscore twenty. What do you guys think of Lilia? Should fans expect to see her in playoffs? Lilia, this champion has not existed for me at all, Yankos. People banned her the first week she was out, and now literally no one is playing her. From what I've seen in solo queue, is this a champion? She played in the LPL. That yeah, we saw it twice in the LPL. I think it lost both games in playoffs. Um, can we expect to see Lilia? You can share as much or as little. Obviously, if she doesn't exist, it's very easy for you to say stuff. If she is showing up, maybe it's harder. What can you tell us about Lilia? 
So I can say that I'm playing a lot of Lilia on my streams. I think I play like over 20 games of Lilia. And I can tell you that we will for sure see her in playoffs. I cannot really tell you anything else, but um, if EU fans really want to see Lilia, we will see her in playoffs. I will not tell you who can play her. Um, of course, you know, I played a lot of solo key games. <laughs> maybe I will, maybe I will not. <laughs> but uh, definitely we will see Lilia in playoffs and we might actually see more Lilia in playoffs than people anticipate. And then there is a chance she will crash and burn and we will never see her after uh, starting from week two of playoffs. But mm. definitely we will see a lot of Lilia week one, I'm pretty sure. Nice. All right, next question from at Away13. Uh, a lot of people ask this question. This is just that the tweet that I happened to clip out. So shout out to everyone who asked this question. Uh, Yankos, this is one of your favorite questions of all time. I asked it, I think, three times across interviews last year. And now I get to ask it a fourth time here at the podcast. Sejuani or Braun? Of the two dog oh champions with stun-based <laughs> passive effects, which which you can pick, you can pick if you had to play one, or which which did you enjoy playing more historically? Which would you be more excited about playing in the weeks to come if, for whatever reason, Funnel came back? What what did you prefer? Did you prefer Sejuani or Braum? You can just give me a BS answer. It's fine. <laughs> I think Sejuani, and I think it's like um, it's because. Um, you have more control over the game because you can engage, right? With Brom, you are more of like a peel support with, you can maybe engage with like a Q flash or flash wound or something, but that's not really it, right? You you, you want to peel, you want to just like mark people with passive. For Sejuani though, you are like the one that chooses when do we fight and how do we fight. So it did like aspire to my like, you know, like ma male fantasy of playing like a very strong champion that is like engaged champ that like I'm going like in front <laughs> of everyone and like protecting my friends. Uh. But at the same time, um, I won't play Sejuani, so <laughs> I don't know. I guess I was, I was just Sejuani, but I'm hoping I will not get to play her much in playoffs. Yeah, but it's... if I have to, let's say, let's say there is like hypothetical world or like scenario where you ask me if I want to win worlds, and then I say yes, and then you tell me to win worlds, you have to play Sejuani. Then I would just play Sejuani to win worlds. Okay. I think people also, people also <laughs> ask that a bunch, so that's very good. Very excited for the Yanko Sejuani World skin. That's the worst thing that you can say, though, because <laughs> now every time Gravs comes up in draft, he's like, you want to win Worlds, Yankos? You're like, it's game one in a best of five versus X team demand. He's like, you want to win Worlds? You lock that shit in. He's you like, lock it's it TL, in. please. It's TL, I don't need to. And you're like, uh-uh. We're beating Jet. We're getting the W today. That also that one for the caster team. If you guys could just beat Team Liquid anytime you play that one. Yeah, um, I don't care if we lose to everyone else. And then just as type in all Liquid chat. Say the LEC caster team sends their regards whenever you beat TL. Uh, we're gonna ask this for you and any LEC team that makes it to Worlds. Mm -hmm. So, um, final final question, the generic one that keeps the fans up at night. I'm assuming that you guys are gonna win the split, or that you think you're gonna win the split, right? So I, I think we are going to yeah. yeah. So I could have guessed that. I don't need to ask that. But tell me, <laughs> tell me who meets you in the finals, Yankos. If you guys are winning the split, who are you playing in the finals? What's the score going to be? Okay. Um, so looking at the past, I would say we meet Fanatic in the final, and it's 3-0 for G2. <laughs> looking at the present, considering Fanatic is not very hot right now, I would say we meet Mad Lions in the final, and the score is 3-1. G2 still wins. Damn. No five-game final for us, League of Legends fans. A man can dream. I mean, I feel like if I would say 3-2, that would be too close, you know? I, I need more confidence in myself yeah, and yeah. my teammates. 
what is it? Reckless came on the podcast once and said three one is the cowards' prediction. You don't feel confident. You don't think that they're actually a good team, but you're not confident enough in a three zero to. You don't want to be so cocky to say three zero. But I get it. I get it's it. It's kind of true, though. I mean, like I have to. You see, I have respect to my Lions. I'm not going to say that we will three zero them, but I mean, if we do, that will make me happy, you know, because that will mean either they are worse than expected or we are better than I anticipated. So I mean, we will see. Gonna have to find out. Well, Yankos, thank you so much for taking the time to come onto the podcast and talk to us. Good luck to you in your series versus Mad this weekend. Um, yeah, and have fun. Maybe we get to see you play Lilia after all those games on stream. Maybe not. Maybe we get a Nidalee game. Maybe, who knows that? Maybe. Or maybe, maybe you're just well, stuck yeah. on Sidwani duty. Yeah. We'll find out. If Grabs watches the show, he's just going to tell you that it's... You got to win Worlds, buddy. You got to win Worlds. Sorry, Sidwani. Every single game, we'll find yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, I would just tell him that, like, don't watch a 4 a was really boring episode. So <laughs> <laughs> watch it. No, it's not good. It's fine. And we then won't... The people, like, link him, like, the shots. Oh, they're going like, to gosh. You're doomed. You're doomed. People are cruel. <laughs> like have that. fun on Sidwani. Have fun on Sidwani. Have a good week. Wonders Camille, I say hello. <laughs> yeah, let him know. That's a solid pairing. All right, thanks again, Yankos, for coming on. Thank you so much. Always lovely talking to Yankos. I, we had so many things we wanted to talk about. And I think we got really down into the meta, but I like it because I feel like it's something that we've kind of, in 2019, you have to talk about the meta because it's crazy and it's all over the place. Mm -hmm. And one week you're playing Funnel and the next week Funnel's completely nerfed and the next week it's mid lane Pike. But the meta has been very, mostly stagnant, I would say, outside of the Aphelios nerf. So it's always good to kind of like check in and get that refresher. Plus, maybe we get the Mad Lions. Mad Lions are fanatic. No other team mentioned in the finals. It's really interesting. Every time... So there's obviously like a ton of value talking to our pro players. And especially when you get players as eloquent as like Yankos or, or Bwipo. Um, but it's just really obvious that pro players really don't spend a ton of time studying the other teams. You know mm. what I mean? Like if I want a really strong opinion or insight into one of our teams, you get so much more from talking to coaching staff or the team itself rather than a pro player, which makes sense. Cause like pro players, they're going to spend majority of their time, you know, playing solo queue or scrimming or yeah. having a life outside of their ridiculously intense schedule. Well, and a lot of their opinions are going to be formed from scrims that we're never going to see. Right. So you're not going to, and also from their lens of playing jungle. Cause I guarantee if we ask, you know, Yanko's playing about a specific jungle matchup. He can tell me. Oh, he probably yeah. won't because he wants to keep that information to himself, but he could tell us all about the intricacies of that matchup. But if you have to ask about a team holistically, he's going to see it from a much more focused lens than we are of people, people who get to watch every game with fog of war off, perfect vision, you know. It's just, you know, like Rogue's a perfect example. Uh, when you ask a pro player, and it's not just like no flame to Yanko's, and it's not just Yanko's who said this, but it's always the response. Uh, Weak side top laner who plays Orn Gangplank Renekton, uh, scaling mid laner, uh, they team fight, scaling. Like, it's very clear, obvious things, but they don't talk about, like, Rogue's reset patterns and how good they are at finding resets to get tempo advantages to snowball gold off of towers, and that's why they're gold stat. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it's these things that are missing, and I'm sure, because I've listened to team comms a lot, and I know that the teams talk about uh, much more intensive things in game. Some teams do than necessarily that they'll always share into the, uh, the interviews, but it's just, it's, it's an interesting uh, parallel and comparison to me. Absolutely. Uh, as our final note for the day, Frostgren, because we like to open ourselves up to being flayed alive by the community. Uh, I asked Audrey, our wonderful graphic designer to come up with some playoff bracket euphoria graphics so that we could fill out our, our fake 
our fake brackets. I'm ready to eat you And alive. if our boy <laughs> Florian, you can pick either one to throw up, Flo. It doesn't really matter which one, but if you could throw up. Oh, it's okay. Sick. It's mine. So this is my theoretical playoff bracket. Now, a couple notes for match four and match six. The team that is seeded in from the previous match is based on seeding. So Rogue goes automatically to match six in this theoretical example, and Mad goes automatically to match four. So Big Brave Dracos here says the four teams that Europe will send to Worlds will be Rogue, Mad, Fnatic, and G2. What a spicy one. What? you? I mean, okay, so I'm supposed to be brave? I thought I was supposed to use my brain. You don't want, you want courage in your predictions? Like, I, oh yeah, I really love when the casters ignore all information in front of them and just go out on a limb and say sk is making it no doubt like that's what i need then why do you think that Fnatic beats rogue i have very little faith in rogue but a ton of faith in Fnatic. why because they always do it that is such that is such a fallacy yes but it always happens <laughs> right like you know what i, I know what you're saying because on paper there's absolutely zero reason to predict Fnatic, right but historically every time i have felt that way i have been wrong here's my so there's there's obviously and i'm being facetious here there's obviously two sides to this yeah um the thing is is if you are predicting against Fnatic, mm -hmm. then you recognize that the meta doesn't suit Fnatic. Fnatic, mm -hmm. once upon a time were an amazing 5v5 team they used to be all about reckless and just being little mini rng and just kind of running into things but this is not the same iteration of that roster mm -hmm, this mm -hmm. fanatic roster really excels when the individual players as yanko said get to step up and flex on people because self-made is phenomenal we already know the strength of whippo reckless i think is still the best adc in the league Haley, when he's popping off pops off to a huge extent and we've seen nemesis thrive the issue is is that the individual pieces aren't performing self-made is now uh on a turn down in performance. Nemesis hasn't shown up the entire split. Reckless still playing well. Hilly plays like two champions well right now. And Whippo's on a bit of an incline, but is still fairly inconsistent. So the big strength this Fnatic roster had shown to get them places isn't there right now. And the other big issue is that Nemesis doesn't play any of the champions that are absolutely broken right now. He will not pull out the Azir. He has been so reluctant to do it. And maybe they have some big pick like that Kogma that they showed off in the SK gaming game. But the thing is, is I think that that Kogma is still very difficult to play. And they played against SK. And like, while they beat them, it doesn't give me the most confidence. So that's the big one that I think a lot of people will be pushed on. And the only reason people will say Fnatic can do it. And it's the same reason that Yankos gave. It's the same reason that you gave. It's the same reason that I've given all split. It's like, but they always do it. But if we actually just take the snapshot and say, in the current meta, in that current team, there's no way in hell Fnatic beat Rogue. Sideline, Fnatic have beaten Rogue 2-0 this split. <laughs> yeah, and so this is the thing, right? Is I feel bad counting out Rogue so early because I think that they earned their place at the top and they played very consistently. They played very well. Larson is obviously a monster. And at the same time, you're right. This is the hardest matchup to predict because on paper, everything points you at Rogue. But every feeling you could possibly have in your gut says, I'm going to be the idiot, the doubted Fnatic once again. And maybe this is the time. Maybe this is the time Fnatic fall. Maybe this is too much. They obviously just barely, barely scraped into playoffs. But to me, um, yeah, I think I think Fnatic are going to win. I, I, My optimism would be in Whippo, specifically into Finn. I think Finn has been a fine weak side top laner. We heard from him previously. You know, he'd love to play more stuff, but weak side seems to be how the team is best set up for success. But we've seen Whippo at his peak 
find the picks that shut down players like that, the people who want to play the generic Metacraft, just get absolutely eaten alive. Obviously, we've also seen him run it down. So if there's skepticism about predicting Fnatic, I think totally fair. That said, the history is favoring Fnatic. The the eyes should be favoring Rogue at this point. Um, and if you're having trouble following along all the way, by the way, we'll link um, Imgur links or image links for the brackets. Obviously, if you're in YouTube land, you can see them now, but we'll link them below. If you're struggling to follow in podcast, uh, we're going to keep it mostly to round one here. So predicted G2 to beat Mad, predicted Chalka to beat SK, predicted um, Fnatic to beat Rogue. But Frosco, let's look at your bracket. Let's I see. misspoke. Rogue has two owed Fnatic. Rogue has two owed Fnatic. Rogue. I said it backwards. I was like, I'm pretty sure I said that backwards. <laughs> yeah. Those. Oh, yeah. I remember those games. Those games were whoa, rough. All right. Frost's playoff bracket. Let's see. So Rogue beats Fnatic. Okay. Otherwise, exactly the same. Yeah, um, but what's the twist Oh, here? my God. <laughs> Schalke beat Fnatic? Schalke take out Fnatic? Yeah. In my bracket, I have Schalke, Mad, Rogue, and G2 going to Worlds and not Fnatic. So... In previous, the problem with Schalke right now is that I think. What is the problem with Schalke? No, 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 right no, no. <laughs> this is what I wanted. This is kind of why I want to give you credit here because I think some people who haven't watched this closely who've just been watching the Gillies Gillies, you know, Lord of Lee Sim, blah 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 blah, um, are going to be like, well, Schalke, like, great job, but like, this is all kind of a meme, right? Like, we're all just on this train because we're having a good time. We all like them ironically, right? Like, we don't actually think they're good, but like, no, they are good, but good, but they're going to kill Fnatic. They're going to be the team that beats the plot armor because no one's beaten the plot armor. Frost, no one's beaten the plot armor. So here's the thing. Except for that one year with the HDK thing, but we don't talk about that. <laughs> um, credit to credit where credit is due for Shelka because it's not just Gilius. And if you've watched your show, we talk a lot about it, but I'm going to say it here again. Dreams is the most underrated player of the LEC. Dreams is insane. He is so he's good. really, 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 so really good. So good. And he has a massive champion yep. pool. He's amazing on Tom Kench. He's amazing on the Nautilus. He can also play the Leona. I don't necessarily like him so much on Yumi, not because he's a bad Yumi player, but as Yanko said in his interview, I think Shelka really uh, thrive when Dreams is on a champion that has agency and can look for engages. And I think that with Abadage uh, stepping up, whether this is online play or whatever it is, his champion pool, also very wide. Uh, he can go for things like the Akali. He's pulled out the Corky. Uh, he can play the Azir. His Zoe is disgusting. One of the few Zoes uh, outside of Caps that can play it. And I just, I think that right now they have more tools in this current meta. They're playing better as a team. Their 5v5 is really clean. Yeah, I think Fnatic will probably just try to ban out Gilius here or target and uh, smash his champion pool and really leverage self-made. I still think that self-made is a better jungler, but is not having a better performance right now. And Shalka are definitively the much better team. And in this meta, teamwork is really all that matters because we're in an ARAM Drake meta. So do I believe that Fnatic have better individual pieces? Yes. But those pieces, as I said, when I had them lose to Rogue, aren't turning on right now. And all of the teams that I have going to Worlds are the best 5v5 team fighting teams of our league. Honestly, I'm here for it. I don't believe it, but I'm here for the Shalka Miracle run. That would be absolutely insane to me. I think I'm... Odo's not better than Whippo, but... I actually think that Yanko's underrated Odo a little bit. I think because Shin is so powerful, and these are our two Shin uh, playing teams, I'm really curious about that. I really want to see... Neon also, I think, is a phenomenal um, 
Ash player. Like, yeah, he has the one win on Ash, but if you go back and watch his positioning on that and how he's intelligently using Hawkshot and Arrow, he's probably the most successful and, and cleanest Ash that we've seen so far. Which, in a region where literally no one can play Ash, being the guy who can actually play Ash is a big deal. Yeah, draft. and there's a limited uh, champion pool with Reckless down there. Not that he can't play it, because Reckless obviously has showed the Syndra and is obviously expanding his champion pool. He's willing to dig, yeah, we've seen. But Fnatic themselves don't seem to put that much emphasis on it. And I'm curious if Fnatic will give away the Caitlyn. They probably won't. Caitlyn will probably just be permaban because she's so strong. But I know that Reckless is a great Jinx player. And Jinx actually has really good matchups into Caitlyn. Uh, can scale just as well. Although the new itemization changes with Caitlyn, where they're going for the Essence Reaver and Storm uh, Razors, as opposed to specking into the attack speed, might hurt Jinx. And maybe that's why she's not showing up, because she has to go into attack speed, because it matters yeah, so yeah. much. And then her power curve is a little bit different. So like maybe that's a factor there. But... I don't know. I I think Shalka are better suited for this meta. And if Shalka are performing at their best and if Fnatic are performing at their best, then I still think that that matchup is close. I'm right now living for the Faker Doggy storyline. That's my last note here because we saw a similar storyline. If you all remember Exile, obviously Exile ended very poorly. But remember when he started on Unicorns of Love, he was really bad. But then he, then he was like the rise god for a season. He was getting triple banned in finals to shut him down. And he was suddenly popping off top two mid laner. And I'm hoping that Abadage can get the same, he has shown us the same trajectory where he started off as that inter who was kind of just like, oh my God, you're just trying too hard to chill. And now he's really good. And if he can stay at this level, I will be so happy not only for him, but it's just such a cool thing to see a player turn around their performance. I hope that it's not an online thing. I hope that he can play, continue to play well on land, continue to play well in person when there's a win slash if there's a crowd in the near future. Um, I think actually where I get really controversial is saying that Mad will beat Shalka and saying that Mad will beat Rogue as well. So the thing that I have with Mad, and I said it on the previous episode, shout out to Reddit comments, they said I was wrong, wasn't wrong, <laughs> was that Mad have stalled out because they no longer have a drafting advantage. People have been long enough on this meta and this patch that they've seen kind of all the new things, the Sonas, the Wukongs, things like that, that Mad no longer just get that advantage to kind of snowball to the top. And even when you see Mad as such as their Vitality game, where they get all of their comfort picks, save for Shadows Lee Sin, but like Humanoids Oriana, Humanoid also isn't performing as well. And without that buff of having the the drafting uh, creative pick or whatever, they, they are more on even footing and they're starting to fall down and be more fallible. So that's my whole thing with MAD. I put them into the finals because I hope that the coaching staff with the time to prepare will find some of these new picks, will find some of these... Um, kind of like trump cards to give them that extra edge. And I still believe that MAD will be in their best form. And when they're in their best form, they are, in my opinion, the best 5v5 team, which is why I have them going through to the finals. But I think that if Fnatic do fall down to Shalka, that's where things get a little bit iffy for me, where I'm like, am I assuming too many good things for MAD and then not recognizing the true power of Rogue and Shalka? Maybe. I think this is such a hype playoffs that's my final name i hype I incredibly hype playoffs but uh we'll wrap it here of course playoff brackets they're both very nuanced me and frost could fill them out pretty much completely differently although similarly they both end with g2 mad in the finals now it's going to be tough for you in podcast land to keep up with the nitty-gritty hell it might be tough for you on youtube video land so remember that there we will provide links for the images below and additionally you can find them on our twitters we'll post them out so that we can be 
roasted by so many of you who will call us idiots or fools depending on which team you side with fanatic fans will roast you everyone who hates fanatic will yeah roast i definitely me. took the bullet there. yeah that's fine i mean there's there's a lot of strong opinions on both sides of the table that's at daniel Dracos on twitter and at frost Skurn if you want to check it out and of course this week three days of playoffs coming your way this weekend sk versus schalke on friday g2 versus matt on saturday sunday is rogue versus fanatic and of course in the meantime you can join us on our new official lec discord server you can check that out at discord.lec.com GG. I have not joined yet, but I will be joining shortly. Uh, and additionally, hope you guys enjoyed the rap battle. Hope you're loving the content coming out. We're not stopping anytime soon. We got more coming your way, more LEC action, but this is going to be it for Euphoria Season 6, Episode 9. We'll see you later.